Hello, everybody. I'm Spencer. This is Megan, and we are Too Blunt. All right. So today we're going to talk about something that has been talked about for a while the past couple of months, especially before the release of this game and definitely after the game came out. And that is going to be Hogwarts Legacy. Super fun stuff, guys. If you don't know anything about the Hogwarts legacy or the Hogwarts history, don't worry. It's not really a big issue. Nope, because we're going to tell you about it. Well, probably more or less me because I'm the uh, Harry Potter geek out of the two of us. Um, yeah, well, I'll be learning at the same time as everybody else. <laughs> Alrighty, so um, first and foremost, the... The, the issue with the game is that um, it is based off of the universe, the Harry Potter universe that J.K. Rowling created, and she has been quite an issue in the past. Um, so starting, she is just she has said some pretty transphobic um, comments in the past on Twitter and in interviews. Um, she ha has called herself willingly a TERF, T-E-R-F, which if you don't know, stands for Trans-Exclusive trans Radical Feminist. Um, so basically, <clears throat> she doesn't believe um, that trans women are real women. Um, or at least that is what she has put out into the world. I think um, because she actually tweeted it herself, and she's come on the record and had such a public voice about this. This can't even be denied as, oh, it was a middle-aged mistake. This is something she fully believes. She is 100% transphobic. Right, and I'm not saying that when you're older and when you, you know, the years go by and everything, and you can learn different things at any age, even if, you know, you have some transphobic views at the age of 27 maybe by the time you're 35 those views will be a complete 180 and i'm not saying that that's not a possibility but i also think that you can't just wash this away as oh it was a mistake i didn't mean it like that or whatever i think that you need to grow up own up say you know what yep I was transphobic. My views have changed. It is what it is. And I apologize for hurting the community. I think that would be a much better uh, way to go about it as opposed to, oopsie. <laughs> no, I fully agree. Uh, but back to the game. Um, so the game, <clears throat> a lot of people uh, have been having a problem with it solely because it's based off of her universe and everything. Um, she has had nothing to do with the creation of the game, which uh, is probably one of the reasons that has driven me more or less to actually be wanting to purchase the game. Um, <clears throat> just because of the fact that when I read the Harry Potter series when I was in middle school and high school, great series, loved it. I, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, but as I read the series as an adult, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense. So she can't properly write a storyline in a book series, how can she properly write a storyline in a video game? 
Um, but out of all the video games and everything that has been made based off of the Harry Potter series, she hasn't really had anything to do with them. Um, so I think that's a great start. Uh, another thing that I think is absolutely fabulous about the game is that it is obviously a fan-made game. Um, and they've added some funny little things in there. <laughs> we in the gaming community would call them Easter eggs, probably. There is a portrait somewhere in Hogwarts that depicts someone that appears to be J.K. Rowling burning at the stake. And I think I that's funny. Just to see that. <laughs> I um I thought it was pretty funny. It may or may not be her. It's not confirmed. Um, but the the woman it's in the painting, really yeah the the woman in the painting does look like J.K. Rowling. Um, so that's that's funny and everything. Um, the downside of everything is that because she does still hold the rights to Hogwarts and the Harry Potter universe and everything, she obviously is still profiting off of this game. Um, even if it is only a dollar per copy, uh, which I think the exact money in USD is a dollar and seven cents, um, which depending on the country that it's being purchased in may be a little bit more or a little bit less. And of course she will be getting the money in her own currency, um, which is pounds. I think I'm not sure what the European currency is. Um, but so a lot of the discussions have been, well, you shouldn't want to put any money in her pocket. And then the other side of that is, well, this is just chump change to her, you know, 500,000 people buy the game if it's only a dollar per copy, then that's only $500,000 off of somebody who makes millions a year off of selling her books, selling products like the replica ones that she sells in Walmarts. Any um, sort of merchandise, anything from like Harry Potter World at Disneyland, anything she's going to make a profit off of. Oh, yeah. Any, any Lego sets, any puzzles, any... Uh, I've seen a Hedwig backpack. It's absolutely adorable. Anything like that, anything Harry Potter related that is sold in any store, any way, whether it be, maybe not necessarily Etsy, but those people might be getting in trouble if they're not giving her her royalties. Um, but like Amazon, <laughs> yeah, um, but Amazon, any bookstores, anything that is legally selling her product, which most places are, she is profiting off of that. Point blank and period. $500,000 off of 500,000 copies of a single game really is chump change to her. And I, I understand that, you know, she's donating this money to charities and places that prevent trans youths from being able to transition and is going directly towards anti-trans propaganda and everything. There are also a lot of people that are streaming the game that are running charity streams and they're giving that money to charities that actually help trans youths either in their communities in their direct communities or other communities. And I think that that money and those donations kind of um, cancel out what JK does if we go on a dime by dime basis and we equate that the $500,000 that she makes 
goes against trans lives and if we can get 500 plus thousand dollars of donations to help trans lives then i i think it kind of you know cancels out obviously it's not good either way um, um let's talk about the fact that it was only released on february 10th mm -hmm. now today is the 22nd should a video game have this much controversy this close to its release date so that i i don't know because video games like have a lot of controversy <laughs> in general if we if we really want to think about it like um if we look at overwatch for example uh just less than a year before overwatch 2's release date uh there was a scandal within the overwatch within blizzard the creators of overwatch uh where a lot of women left the team and even the lead developer jeff kaplan ended up leaving um so overwatch is totally different now than what it used to be and all that controversy came out and people are still buying the game or not buying it because it's free to play now but they're still dumping money into the game to buy skins and um and emotes and all this other stuff and everything so i i think regardless of the controversy uh, bet behind a game or anything people are still going to want to buy it they're still going to want to play it they're still going to want to participate in the microtransactions and if anything, controversy almost helps sell video games. Um, so you, you've got all these people talking about Hogwarts Legacy, and there's so much hype behind it, either in a positive or a negative light. And a lot of people, their attention is being drawn to this game and everything. So even somebody who maybe liked Harry Potter, but wasn't really interested in Harry Potter that much, they see this gameplay, they see everybody talking about it and everything, they get interested in it, they look into it, they're like, oh, actually, this looks like a video game that I might really like and that I might want to play. And so they look a little bit more into it, and they're like, you know, oh, I can buy it from Steam, and if I uh, return it within a week and only play two hours on it, I can get my money back? But yeah, I'll spend the 60 bucks on it, so... And the game, I, I did purchase it. <laughs> I have played it. I've only played through um, the first point until you can save. I just haven't really had the time to play it otherwise. But it's fun. It's a fun game. Um, as a, a animator myself, there are definitely some things graphics-wise that I'm kind of like, Ugh, about. Um, but for the most, like, as graphics aside and everything, it's a fun game. Um, it, it doesn't look the absolute worst. I would expect more out of a AAA title, honestly, and personally, but, um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel bad is how I guess I would say it. Like to play it, it is fun. It is interesting. It is entertaining. I've seen other like playthroughs of it and everything. And there's just, there's so many different Easter eggs. There's so many different things you can do. So it is a fun game. I'm not advocating for anybody to buy it or anything. If you want it, get it. No, you're just, if you don't want it, don't get it. Um, I think personally, my biggest issue with the controversy behind the uh, release of Hogwarts Legacy and everything is the fact that um, there is a programmer who, and I believe she is trans, I'm not sure, um, so I'm not going to, like, officially state that. 
Um, but there is a programmer who has stated that they will be working on a program that seeks out automatically seeks out people that are streaming the game on any platform and will fill the chat with bots um, saying slurs and other things that would get these creators deplatformed from Twitch, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Um, and I think that's really unfair to the creator. I understand how people feel about the situation. It's it's disgusting. I don't like what J.K. Rowling has said about about the trans community. And if you're affected by that, I'm sorry. I just think that the video game and harassing streamers, going going to people's pages and specifically using your hate towards J.K. Rowling to try and you know ruin their stream, that's not okay. That's not cool because they're not supporting what J.K. Rowling has said. They're not supporting, you know, they are doing exactly what you are doing, Sam, and you're a video game advocate. You love playing video games, so this is just another game that you want to share. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that, you know, the bots and everything is just, is just going too far. You're not hurting J.K. Rowling. You're not hurting the game developers. You're not hurting Steam no, you're hurting or Epic. Stream. Yeah, you're hurting the streamers. And... Some of the streamers, some some streamers are big streamers, and maybe they won't t take as large of a hit from you know something like this happening to them. But when you think of you know smaller streamers like you know me, for example, I only have a hundred followers on Twitch yeah. alone. So you know something like that happening to me would be almost career ending. Something like well, that happening to like cartoons is like, yeah, you know, I'll get my followers back. It's fine. There was a YouTuber, uh, Jesse Earl, transgender, and she says that you need to examine both of it. Explore, yes, explore the fact that J.K. Rowling has said some things, but also take that aside and just explore Hogwarts Legacy and come up with your own conclusion. Like you said, Sam, that there might be an Easter egg of J.K. Rowling burning in a picture. And if that's true, then if somebody who hates J.K. Rowling can use that concept and be like, hey, Hogwarts Legacy has stepped aside, I can too, maybe, to play the game. Right. Um, at, at the end of the day, when it comes to Hogwarts Legacy specifically, I think that if if you are so emotionally affected by the things that J.K. Rowling has said and done, you are totally justified in that. There, Nobody can take that away from you, and nobody is telling you that you have to be okay with this video game and everything. I just think that it is very unfair to tell other people that they can or cannot enjoy something um, just because it has emotionally affected you in one way or another. Um, and I think right that's now, that's the biggest takeaway for me. Right now, it is saying that there are over 879,000 players worldwide. That's the eighth highest concurrent player peak ever. Oh, yeah, it, it has, it, in its first month of being released, it has more um, players than Elden Ring did within its first release. I mean, it 
this this game has broken the fucking charts essentially with how much it has sold and how large of a player base it already has. Um been the wrong line of work. <laughs> and that's, you know, the the thing behind video games and all of that is that um you know, you you never know the company that you're supporting or the person that you're supporting. You don't know what they're like behind closed doors. Um, you know, like Amazon, for example, everybody hates Jeff Bezos. Nobody likes him. They all think he's a rich prick, um, but we still buy off of Amazon. Etsy has been shown to be a terrible place to buy because it takes advantage of its sellers and people still sell on Etsy. People still buy stuff from Etsy. Um, you know, Twitter has now been bought out by Elon Musk. Nobody likes him, but everybody still uses Twitter. People are even purchasing Twitter I blue. I think he's absolutely hysterical. I think he says and does some funny things, um, and he's a fucking asshole, and sometimes it's hilarious. But we do also have to remember, too, that he also has said some pretty gnarly and transphobic and homophobic things, um... Which, yeah, if that's a topic we're gonna do into, that'll be an episode where we talk about celebrities and rich people who have said <laughs> things they should not. Yeah, and and I think I think we will make that an episode at some point. But um, like it's it's hard because like I love the Kardashians. I think they're fucking hilarious. I think they say and do stupid shit all the time. Do I support the things they say and do? Not necessarily. Do I think that they should be role models for girls across nations? Not necessarily. But I think that the show is entertaining. I understand some of it's scripted, but it's funny. It's entertaining. And just because someone is funny and entertaining doesn't mean that I agree with the things that they say and do. You um, as a member of the LGBTQ community yourself, I want to know how you feel about the entire thing. Do, is it, in a sense, like, do you feel specifically, like, attacked? I don't want to necessarily say attacked, it's just I don't know how to navigate the words that I'm thinking. For me... If you are somebody that's part of the LGBTQ community and you don't want to play this game, then don't play the game. If you don't want to watch people play this game, then don't watch people play the game. But Absolutely. but also don't sit there and like hate on people or anything like that. I personally like I grew up with Harry Potter. I have a Harry Potter tattoo on my arm. Like I love this series. Uh, it has been a huge part of my life, and I think that I think that I'm done letting people ruin how I view things and the things that I enjoy. Um, you know, I grew up in the Tumblr era and everything. Tumblr came out when I was in high school, I think, when I was a freshman in high school. God, and I want to say like 2010, 2011. Yeah, and 2010 was literally the start of my freshman year of high school it was the end of um, my eighth grade year and the start of my ninth grade year. So, um, you know, I was 14 when Tumblr came out and Tumblr is probably one of the biggest known factors for cancel culture and everything like that. 
um, you know, somebody says one wrong thing and oh, bye bye. You don't have yeah. a platform anymore. Um, um, I want to specifically mention Avalanche and Warner Brothers have denied J.K. Rowling's involvement in the game's development. And the team has also introduced a trans inclusive character creator and the franchise's first transgender character, Serona Ryan. Yeah, um, so that Serona, people have an issue with the character Serona. Um, and I think, so I think, honestly, I think it's being read into a little bit more than what it should be. Um, people are, they're hearing Serona. They're like, oh, they're taking Sir and then the name Rona, which is a unisex name, and they're combining it together to make Serona. And it, a lot of people are viewing that as, you know, poking fun at trans people. And I, I personally don't think it's that. Serona is a real name. I think it just so happens to be the name that they gave this character and unfortunately, they could have maybe gone with a different name. They could have maybe gone with a name that wouldn't have been taken the wrong way. They could have named her like Ashley or Abigail or uh, Serena or, you know, literally anything. anything that, else. Yeah, anything else. Me, Serona, sounds like an alcohol. It does, it does. Like, what I mean, you get up to? Drank a whole bottle of Serona to myself last <laughs> night, blasted on the bathroom floor, woke up, got an eyelash on my forehead. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I think I think that people are uh, looking a little bit more into the name Serona than they probably should. Um, I think it really is harmless. Um, but at the end of the day, we can't feel how they're gonna feel people are gonna feel and... how they're gonna feel i'm not gonna tell you how to feel and how not to feel about something and oh, also and also to top it off we don't actually know if it was just a harmless little name it could be poking fun at the trans community it could be them being you know douchebags and everything and we don't know but i think i think just with who i am as a human being I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I mean, because even when J.K. Rowling first came out and was like, yeah, I'm a TERF, I was like, maybe she doesn't understand what TERF means. Maybe she's not actually a TERF and she's just agreeing to this because, you know, she's an old lady. Uh, and then she started being like, nope, I know exactly what a TERF is and I am one. And I'm like, okay, never mind then. Um, for some reason... Whatever it is, if you if they if somebody's physically or emotionally, mentally affected by what J.K. Rowling has said, then a hundred percent you don't need to play the game. You don't need to do anything in support of it. Anything that might be, you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to go off on tangents about how much she has hurt you, while also bringing down somebody who's you know maybe trying to make a career for themselves by using this game on their platform right and i think i think that it is perfectly okay to say this game or this uh writer has affected me in a negative way and that's why i don't like this game because it puts money in her pocket like to explain that and everything and to put that out there, you know, that that's perfectly fine. You do you. Nobody is telling you 
that you can't express the way that you feel about it. But I, I think we also need to keep the uh, the phrase water off a duck's back in mind. Um, or, you know, don't cry over spilt milk. Kind of like the same concept where I think we as people like to hold on to things that hurt us. And I think at the end of the day, what we really need to do is focus on what makes us happy and focus on what brings us light and not focus on the things that just mentally bog us down with negativity. Because, you know, this hurts you, this affects you. you just don't have anything to do with it. Um, because, I mean, that's kind of like where I'm coming from with the whole I'm not going to allow people to ruin things for me that I enjoy anymore. I like I enjoy the Harry Potter series. I don't want people to ruin that for me just because of, you know, things that have been said and done. Like in and, and, and this this past month, these past really like two weeks have almost been an emotional roller coaster for me because like. I understand the point of, you know, there, there's a difference in there is no ethical consumption under capitalism and buying something like a video game. Because that phrase only equates to, uh, oh, Walmart is a shitty company. They don't play, pay their workers enough to work there. Um, but we don't have a choice but to shop there because that's where we get our groceries. That's where we get our food, et cetera, et cetera. That's what there is no ethical consumption under capitalism means. Whereas purchasing a video game is a want. It's not a need. So that's why this doesn't really fit under that category. And I understand that. And I get that. And I also understand that. And this is another video that I saw where you can separate the art from the artist when you're talking about somebody who has passed away and somebody who is not actively um, financially providing or publicly speaking about negative things when it comes to, like, for example, J.R.R. Tolkien, the writer of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Terrible person. Amazing writer. A completely racist dude. But he made great stories. Lord of the Rings, amazing. I love Lord of the Rings. I know you haven't seen Lord of the Rings. And that's fine. I'm gonna go. You know what? I've I'm, I'm I've gone 27 years without seeing it. I'm gonna go another 27. <laughs> all right, all right. In 27 years, I'm gonna force you to sit down and watch it. <laughs> you can try. You gotta catch me first. So, with J.R.R. Tolkien, he's gone. He's dead. He's passed and everything. So you can purchase Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and any merchandise that has to surround that series and everything and not contribute to, you know, the racism that he put out there because he is dead. He is gone. He is no longer alive to sit here and say these racist things. But the, the difference between J.R.R. Tolkien and J.K. Rowling, as far as separating the art from the artist, is that with what's going on right now with the fact that JK Rowling is in fact still alive um, and she is still financially contributing to these people that are preventing trans people from living their lives and everything. And with the fact that she is still spewing negativity, that's kind of where 
a lot of people are saying you can't just separate the art from the artist in this situation. Um, so they're, they're more or less saying you can enjoy what you already have. So like I already have the entire Harry Potter series, books and movies. I can continue to enjoy that and I'm perfectly fine. But if I buy Hogwarts Legacy, which as I've already said, I already have, then I'm just contributing to the continuation of this negativity and everything. And I'll... All I can really say about it is I'll agree to disagree. You're not giving up something that you love that has played such a crucial part in your life that, yes, it affects other people. I'm sorry to those people who are affected, but I was not affected. Yeah, I mean, like, I was I was affected in a sense. Like, I did feel a sense of betrayal and everything, um I feel you, bit to the yeah exactly hear what she had to say i can't imagine the emotions that they were feeling i can't imagine that kind of pain because they have trans people have already had a rough time having to have the world accept them in their true form because it's so hard because they have to hide behind something and then being able to come out and then shortly having somebody who is responsible for one of the most loved things in history as Harry Potter, that could break somebody down completely. So yeah, I understand not wanting to support her, but boycotting it completely is not the way to go about that because regardless if you love it or hate it, it's still going to gain attention. So today we are also going to be talking about the Cecil Hotel. It's got a wide controversy about it because there are so many deaths surrounding this hotel. For a fact that there has been at least 13 suicides that have happened in the hotel. Mm-hmm. I would like to know, do you feel like the building just stores that energy from all all of the souls that have taken their lives there? Oh, definitely. Um, all of the crime that was committed um, and all of the deaths that have occurred and everything, I think it's all just kind of stored in there. I think um, I think American Horror Story Hotel had it right uh, because that was based off of the Cecil. Um, mm. I, th I think all the ghosts are just accumulated there. And I think that their energy is almost affecting other people to either, you know, kill themselves or harm other people. So back to what you said about the the building holding the energy and could have been a reason to why all these deaths are occurring. But 1980, serial killer Richard Ramirez, or known as the Night Stalker, stayed there. Do you think that the energy that was already there could have had an impact on his choices I don't think so because he stayed there in the midst of his um, <clears throat> tyranny. Essentially, um, he because he was in the Los Angeles area um, from eighty four to eighty five, and in eighty five is when he stayed at the Cecil. So it was at some point during that stint where he was in the Cecil, and I, I don't remember. Because um, I'm not very caught up with Richard Ramirez and everything. I don't remember if he actually was caught in 85. Um, but... He was uh, 
he was convicted in 1989 of 13 murders. And he okay. died in 2013 of cancer. Yeah, okay, what? You're telling me that they let this man live until 2013? Does it baffle you that you were alive at the same time as a serial killer? No, it doesn't baffle me. They're statistically speaking, um, you pass by three serial killers in your lifetime. I highly doubt that because none of them have taken me out yet. You're talking about, you know, statistically speaking. Uh, America has, and like America as a whole, but specifically uh, the United States, statistically speaking, uh, probably houses the most serial killers in the entire world. Well, that's a really scary fact. Oh, Lord. Um, so, aside from Richard Ramirez staying there in 1985, uh, in 1991, Austrian serial killer Jack Unterweger uh, stayed there after being released from prison in 1990. He was, left, uh, he was let out on parole in 1990. 1991, he stays in the Cecil Hotel long-term, where he then allegedly killed at least three sex workers. Um, let, let's, let's also keep in mind uh, that the justice system just didn't do a great job, whether it was in Austria or America, uh, because he was previously convicted of murder in 1976. So he was convicted in 1976, was in prison until 1990, was let out on parole, Stayed at the Cecil Hotel in 1991, killed three more people, and then went back to prison for because he was found guilty of nine murders and was then issued a life sentence from there um, in 1994. So, like, what the fuck, Austria? <laughs> It's not even just Austria. So we're going to jump a little bit forward to 2013 to speak about Eliza Lamb. Real quick, she, um, do you do you know exactly when um, Richard Ramirez died in jail? Because you said it was 2013. Yes. Do you remember what month? Uh, no. June 7th, 2013. There you go. So I do <clears throat> want to point out that I do think it's uh, kind of interesting that Eliza Lamb uh, passed away in the Cecil Hotel at the same year that Ramirez um, died yeah. in prison. That could be a thing. Like you said, I do also believe that the building house stores all that energy. Doesn't matter how you how they died in the building. Obviously, it matters, but that as as far as as far as the energy that's being stored there, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was an accident, if it was a suicide, or if it was a murder, um, <clears throat> or if they died of natural causes, because it did become a long term place to stay at one point. So 
at the as far as the energy goes, it doesn't matter how gruesome or not gruesome the death was. I think that any and every soul is kind of just trapped there. Um, and I kind of I kind of want to point back to American Horror Story Hotel on that one. Um, because even within American Horror Story Hotel, there were quite a few ghosts living within the Cecil Hotel that were um, benign. Essentially, they were they weren't like evil or anything. They were just kind of there, exactly. Um, so, like some of them did turn evil. A lot of them didn't. Some of them were evil to begin with. Um, and, and I think that that is very true to how the Cecil Hotel probably actually is with the energy that is inside of it <clears throat> and the spirits. So the reason we're talking about the fact that the energy could be stored in the building is that because when Elias Lamb went missing, there was no real evidence to support how she went missing she was missing for 19 days before she was found completely naked in a water tank on the very top of the hotel and there's very little known there's very very little footage about her being alive that nobody really knows what happened the police have ruled it as uh, an accidental death some people say it was a homicide other people say that you know she, because she was schizophrenic she climbed up there and climbed in herself she kept a lot of social media pages like like a tumblr i don't actually know if it was tumblr but on them she actually says herself like i'm unmedicated this is how i'm feeling today she has a lot of the same characteristics that a schizophrenic person would have and would show unmedicated in her posts so okay. it very well could have been that she had a schizophrenic episode and nobody knows what happens then. But again, going back to the energy thing, a lot of people are saying that she was possessed or that she was being haunted. And that's why she was seen, you know, diving in and out of the elevator, looking scared. But we know so little about it that it just leads to so many questions and another big controversy of how do people keep dying at this hotel? I don't know if you have heard about the um, the quote-unquote game that she might have been playing because this the elevator game um, had come out around this time in 2013. Um, what is the elevator game? I'm looking it up right now because I don't remember the exact game. But um, essentially, it's it's a ritual is what it is. And um, a, a lot of people think that she was partaking in this game um, and that this that this essentially is what happened um, to play. Uh, the general idea behind the spooky routine is that you can enter a new dimension if you press on elevator buttons in a specific order to play. You need to be in a building with at least 10 floors in an elevator. You also have to play alone, and the game will only work if there is no one around to mess with the specific button order. The game's rules are convoluted, but somebody says somebody provides a breakthrough, a thorough breakdown, and all things uh, spooky blog. The ghost in my machine. Once you enter the first floor, you have to press the floor buttons in a certain order: two, four, six, 
ten, uh, 2105. When you reach the fifth floor, you might meet a mysterious woman. Don't look at her or speak to her because she's reportedly not human and could take you away. Then press the button for the first floor. If the elevator goes up to the tenth floor, the ritual worked. When you enter the other dimension, it'll look like the building that you're in, except you'll be all by yourself. At this point, your electronics may not work and the lights may be completely off. To return to your world, you'll need to press the same buttons that took you to this other dimension. Get off at the wrong time and you may never see your dimension again. Um, so a lot of people think that that is that she performed that ritual um at the Cecil Hotel because of the fact that she's seen entering the elevator and then she's seen with the elevator opening and her kind of freaking out and having erratic behavior, the doors closing, the elevator continuing to move, her getting off the elevator, and then she's never seen again. Um, obviously, it could be paranormal, but it could also just be somebody messing with, like, it could have been somebody behind the scenes at the Cecil Hotel, and they just messed with the audio footage or the video footage, um, so that way it wouldn't be seen what they had done with her. Um, but I know that another, like, weird occurrence with it and everything is the fact that, um, the container that she was in, apparently, even regardless, like, even with how small she was and everything, there apparently wouldn't have been a way for her to squeeze in there. Um, um I've actually done a lot of research on that because... It always baffled me how somebody so small who was by herself could lift that lid up. But if you look at the pictures from the crime scene photo, the lid itself was not fully closed. Mm -hmm. So when she arrived up at the top, it's a hotel and the police. Obviously, again, don't know if it's true. I wasn't there, but have said that when she first originally climbed up, that the latch was not fully secured. That is how she was able to get it open. When it came back down, it must have secured on top of her. I don't right. Know if it's true, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't we don't know because we weren't there um, in the situation either with Eliza or even there at the crime scene when they discovered her body. Um, you know, and I know another big question that had popped up a lot and everything was, you know. It didn't seem like there was a struggle or anything. Like, it looked like she willingly took off her clothes and got into this vat of water. And I know the, the next question was, you know, what drove her into getting into this water tank? Um, and that's one of the biggest things is that when it came out that she was a diagnosed schizophrenic, that there is something that people with schizophrenia, when they get... In those moments, they tend to take off their clothing, and they're very drawn to water. I don't know if it's because of a cooling feeling that's been recepted in the brain, but it is very, very typical for people with schizophrenia yeah, to be drawn to water. Yeah, but isn't didn't the Cecil Hotel like have a pool? Like, why not just get in the pool, or why not draw a bath? Like, she had checked into a room, like she had a room. Yeah. So why not check into, you know, why not go to your room and go take a bath? Why, you know, climb to the roof of this building and... How did she yeah, get to the it, roof? Like, exactly. Was, like, there apparently was no, like... Elevator. 
Yeah, there there was apparently no like access panel or anything. And, you know, as we've previously stated, once she was on once she got off the elevator, she was never seen again. So how did how did she get there? How did she leave the hotel if she was never seen again after getting off the elevator? Because even if she, you know, climbed up the side or whatever off the ladder that they probably had on the side or whatever, like how how did she get up there? Um, and, uh, just, there's so many questions that we're never going to get answered to. And I know that a lot of like paranormal investigators have gone to the Cecil hotel and tried to make connections. I'm not ever going to fully believe any of the articles or any other theory until I actually speak with Eliza Lamb's ghost myself. Uh, honestly, same. Uh, but I, I am not stupid enough to venture into the Cecil Hotel. Um, I, I don't. No. I, I wouldn't want to be affected by anything there or convinced by I'm anything not, there. I'm not about to be the ghost stuck at the Cecil yeah, Hotel. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not about to be the, uh, the next person that is sucked in and trapped by this essentially paranormal anomaly and you know it's whether like yeah it, it is like a vortex and whether you yeah, believe portal, right and well vortex it's it's kind of both it's a vortex and it's a portal because it's a vortex because it's pulling all these people in and then it's a portal because it's allowing you know spirits to transfer you know in and out you know go wherever as long as they're within the confines of the cecil hotel um, but I think, you know, whether or not you believe in the paranormal, whether or not you believe in ghosts or something, you have to admit that something is weird about that hotel. And like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that has happened at the hotel. There's a lot of stuff that has happened around the hotel. And, um, but you, you have to admit that there is something wrong with that place whether or not you believe in the paranormal. Now, do you agree that it is still open? Last I heard, it was under construction to be turned into low-income housing. So it is still, it is, it's all, it's been open. Um, there's 600 rooms for the supportive housing project. So, so low-income housing. Are, yeah. So people are still there they're still on the property obviously it's been taken down rebuilt you can, you can knock something over and rebuild it a million times but i don't think that's gonna i don't the end. i don't think that they tore it down because in 2017 it was listed as a national landmark um and you can't tear down a national landmark um even if it changes ownership so I don't think that it was torn down, but there is, uh, con they did do construction to the interior of the building. Maybe they changed some things with the exterior of the building. Half of it is on um, the low income housing, and then the other half is a hotel. So mm -hmm. it's, it pretty much looks like they've kept it a hotel. They've just changed it to stay on Main mm -hmm. instead of the Cecil Hotel. Yeah, so they, um, the, the Cecil Hotel has gone through a lot of like rebranding and everything. Um, there have been several new owners of the Cecil ever since it was originally named the Cecil. Um, and they've, they've tried to rebrand it. They've tried to be like, okay, well, we're no longer the Cecil Hotel. We're this hotel. We're that hotel, whatever. But it's always been a hotel. And there have always been, you know, issues that have happened and occurred. I know in like 
2016, I think it had come over, uh, come under some new ownership and cause it was shut down for a while after Eliza had passed. And, um, so it had come under new ownership. I believe they had renamed it 2017. It was, uh, named a landmark and then 2018, somebody else bought it out and started renovations for it to become, uh, the low income housing. And they decided for it to be a, lo a low-income housing along with a longer-stay hotel. Um, so people that are staying, like, two-plus weeks. I personally, like, because it is marked as a landmark and everything, I understand, you know, the need to upkeep the building and everything. I understand that, you know, you want to keep it in good condition because we don't want Why? it to deteriorate. Honestly, I think the building existing is doing more harm than good. I think really what should happen is uh, somebody needs to go into the hotel, bless the hotel, try to get any spirits to move on, and then they need to um, tear that shit down, consecrate the grounds, and bless it, and then start over. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I'm just curious as to how, like, 16-plus people have known to have died there, and they refused to tear it down. But when Luca Magnata, his building, no, it's not, it's the, uh, oh, fuck. Was Jeffrey it the Dahmer building. Yeah. The Jeffrey Dahmer they, building. They tore that building down. I think they didn't. They also kill down the build the apartment complex that Luca lived in, though. They did, yes. But I was also th I was originally thinking of Jeffrey Dahmer. But those two people who have also killed people, very widely known to be killers, those buildings were taken down and not. Doesn't matter the fact that this hotel was built in 1924. I don't care about that. It's the fact that so many. people died how is it that this place can be labeled as a landmark and not a space that should maybe just be left alone right well and that's that's kind of what i'm saying is that like if if you want to keep it a landmark i mean i guess you do you boo but um i think that if it is to be kept a landmark keeping up with the integrity of the building so it doesn't like collapse and fall on somebody on the street. Okay, fine, whatever. But I do not think that people should be living in that building. And I do not think that people should be spending any more than an hour and a half to two hours inside of that building. So that would be, you know, enough time to do any repair works or anything like that. Check on support beams, et cetera, et cetera. And people should definitely not be in that building alone. Um, a lot of the people that worked on the construction crew while they were uh, transforming it into stay on main um, a lot of them did talk about how they had like paranormal experiences and stuff like that and how they you know got a little freaked out there was one guy who was essentially a doorman and he was like yeah no i i literally dipped out on my shift one night because it got too it got too fucked up um no, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I don't think the Cecil Hotel should still be standing. I don't think that people at the at the very least, I don't think people should be living in it. And I don't think people should be working in it. I don't understand how they have a front desk person working at at this hotel anymore. Because it's just it, it's it's so heavy. It's so heavy, that's oh. all I can say. Alrighty guys. It's Spencer and Megan signing off with two blunt
Bye. Bye. <laughs>